Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this day. The last few moments here in a beautiful place, in a place that you've brought us, that you've taught us so much. You've ministered to our hearts. You've rescued many of us. You've uh, broken through some of the wounds of our heart and our obstacles and brought us closer to you this week. We are just a people full of gratitude today, of thankfulness for how good you are. We have seen you, even though you are an invisible God and you can't be contained anywhere, we have seen you because we have seen you walk among us. We see and sense and feel your fingerprints and your touch and your gentle whispers among us this week. We've seen you, the invisible God, and we thank you for being so good. We say we love you. Speak to us now in these last few moments we have together. We give you all the glory. It's all for you, all because of you, and it's all to you. You hold everything together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. I got to tell you, I was in a place much like this a long time ago, but I was on the other side of the world, and I had just had an experience like you. We had spent a week in ministry. And um, unfortunately, my love for food got me in trouble. I love food. Um, I love all kinds of food. I'll, I'll try anything. Um, I, eat, I ate food off the street in India, even when people told me not to, and it was the best food I've ever had, all right? Um, I did get sick, but that's nonetheless. Um, in this specific place, we were eating in, a, in a, a kind of old school building, and one day they brought food in in wheelbarrows. I'm not joking. I'm not exaggerating, okay? Um, three wheelbarrows. One had a cabbage-looking thing, and I tried that. It was great. I had another one that was, looked like big, white, fluffy mashed potatoes, but it was made out of corn. And the third one was some sort of meat, and all I know is it had bones sticking up everywhere. I have no idea what it was, but it was really tasty. A um, couple of days later, my body started hating me, okay? And I was laying in my bed, and I was laying next to a missionary, who had been in Africa for a very, very long time. And we were laying on opposite sides of the room, just kind of recovering, drinking and sipping our Gatorade, like many of you done, have done this week. And I started uh, talking with him. He started asking me, he said, so what are you going to do when you get home? And I said, well, I don't know. I mean, I had this great experience. He said, well, you have a girlfriend back at home? And I said, no, I don't. I'm kind of upset about that. I'm about to graduate college. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to be alone for the rest of my life. And um, he said, well, do you know what you're going to do after that? And uh, after you graduate? And I said, no, really? I don't, maybe I'm going to be homeless for the rest of my life. I have no idea. And um, he said, you're focusing on all the wrong stuff. And I said, excuse me? He said, I mean, I'm asking you questions, but you shouldn't be thinking about a job or a girlfriend or what you do after college. He goes, those are all the wrong things to think about. He said, you, you just want God's will for your life, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, God's will is inevitable for you. I said, excuse me? I don't believe that. I said, I know that God's will is um, the perfect place that he has for me, and he's got all of these beautiful things in his will for me, but I don't think it's inevitable. He says it is if you focus on the right stuff. You're focusing on all the wrong stuff. And I said, Dr. Thornberry, you have to sort of share with me what you're talking about because I'm getting a little lost. I have no idea what you mean. Uh, break it down for me. I'm not as smart as you. And he said, here's the deal. He said, if you focus on staying as close as you possibly can to Jesus, his will for your life is inevitable. He said, because if you're right next to him, and when he goes, you go, 
And where he steps, you step. And when he asks you to do something, you say yes. And when he stops, you stop. And if he backs up, you back up. And you just focus on staying right in step with Jesus. He says his will for your life is inevitable. He'll bring you right to the girl that you're going to marry. He'll bring you right to the job that you're going to have. He'll bring you right to the city you're going to live in. He'll bring you right to the best friends that he wants you to have. Because those are all where he is. If you stay where he is, all of those things will come to you. And I said, now I understand. Wow. I was focusing on all the wrong things. I was trying to hunt for his will like a tightrope out here when God says, no, my will is always with my son Jesus. If you stay close to Jesus, then you're right in the middle of my will for your life. Think about his disciples when he was on earth. He sent them out to do crazy stuff, right? But he was always with them. If they had a question, and they often did, they were like, hey, we tried to cast out this demon. He said, yeah, that only comes out with fasting and prayer, that kind. Luckily, I'm with you. You're with me, and I'll show you how to do it. And they said, how do we pray? I'll teach you how to pray. What do we do in this situation? Hey, those kids are trouble, right? We're going to run them off. No, 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 no. Kids are important. You bring them back to me. Okay, very good. They understood what was right and what was wrong and when to go forward, when to stop, when to back up, because they were with Jesus. The last letter that we're going to look at just extremely briefly today, the last of the seven churches, that's what uh, God is trying to communicate to them. That your best place and God's will for your life, every one of you in here, is inevitable if you focus on staying arm in arm with Jesus, linked to him the whole rest of your life. If that is your focus, you don't have to worry about your job or your husband or your wife or the college that you'll go to, or the city that you'll live in, because it will come to you, right? As you stay close to Jesus, because that's where his will is. Can I show you that? In the letter to Laodicea, strange name, great letter. Let's read it in chapter 3, verse 14. It says this, To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, The amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this. Isn't that beautiful? He says that in the beginning, there was only one thing, and that was Jesus Christ. And everything that is created is through him. He's the uncreated one. He's the uh, unbeginning. There is no beginning to God. There was nothing before him. And so everything, he is the beginning of all things that are created. This is the one speaking. He says, I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. You ever taken one of those showers? It's not very comfortable, right? end of a long day in an air-conditioned environment, we want a hot shower. At the end of a long day here at Camp Eagle, we may want a cold shower. But the worst is right there in between. It's like, uh, I would have rather gone without, okay? He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. I wonder if that's us. I live in the woodlands, the land of plenty, okay? Some of you live around the memorial area, the woodlands of the south, right? 
And you walk around and you can live very, very comfortable lives, driving on Memorial and right there, and you can shop for everything you ever wanted and have everything you ever needed. Man, the Woodlands is a bubble. That's the way you speak of it. We don't ever have to leave. In fact, when we leave, we protect ourselves. We put on an extra coat because we don't know what's out there, okay? We can do everything we ever wanted to do. We have the nicest clothes and the nicest homes and the nicest food of everything right in the Woodlands. And there are many of us who believe, I need nothing. I make enough money. Those of us in our church and my church that are executives in oil businesses and et cetera and sold their companies, and I have enough money to last my great-grandchildren the rest of their life. I have need of nothing. And Jesus is writing to this church and like he may be writing to you and I. You think you need nothing, but you're wrong. But you're wrong. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. That says all of the things that you need really are from me. They're the things that only I can give you. Not the things that you can get in the world. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself. Those only come in the book of Revelation from God himself. The ones that are clothed in white garments are the elders around the throne, the believers that come back with Jesus at his return. Those are only from God. He says, you can get these things only from me. And that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. He says, you think you can see? You can't. Your eyes need to be open. And only I can do that. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. You need to hear that today. If you're a son and a daughter of Jesus adopted into his family, the scriptures never speak of any idea of unadoption. He never orphans his children. God never forsakes or leaves us. And so if you are a believer here today and you are a son and daughter of the Father God, he loves you, he loves you furiously, and he will discipline you if you get out of line like a good father should. That's a good sign that you're a son or a daughter. It's a good sign that you need to snap back in and you need to get much, much closer to Jesus. Those whom I love, I discipline and reprove. Therefore, be zealous and repent. That's the word that's in almost every letter of these seven. Change your life. Change your mind and repent. Now look at verse 20. You probably recognize this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Many of us, have heard that when we present the gospel to people. And it's a fitting verse to share the gospel with somebody, but written to the church of Laodicea, it's not a gospel presentation verse. It is a verse wanting intimate fellowship with you. And who's requesting it? Look at that verse. Look at verse 20. Think about it with me. Last thing I'm going to ask you to think about, okay? Think about who's asking and what he's asking. Who's knocking on the door? Jesus. Whose door is he knocking on? Every individual in the church at Laodicea and every believer since then. That means your door, the door of your life, the door of your heart. And what does he want to do? He wants to come in and hang out with you. He wants to come in and eat with you. That's the most intimate thing that you can do. Friendly, I was a friend of friend in the ancient Near East to have a meal together. He says, I want intimate 
fellowship with you because that's where you realize the inevitability of my will for your life. My best for you comes when you're close to me. My best for you comes from and comes when I'm close to you and you're close to me. So for you Christians in our group today, if you're a Christian for 24 hours or a couple hours or a couple of days or many years, you need to hear from me and you need to hear from God's word that intimacy with Jesus is the most important thing for the rest of your life. It will guide the rest of your life. It will make sure that God's will is a part of what you experience. That becomes about obedience. That becomes about discipline. It becomes about all these words that we hate. Okay? All these words that we don't like to talk about. But you realize that you're going back to a place today on a bus. And you're going back to a family and back to friends, many of you. And back to siblings and back to stepmoms and stepdads who haven't been to Camp Eagle. The best that they can see are these great pictures and the blog descriptions that this staff has been trying to send them. They haven't been here. They haven't been in our sessions. They haven't worshiped like we did. They didn't walk to the top of the mountain. They didn't see the stars. They didn't see these images that we saw from God's hand and the creativity that he had. They had none of this experience, right? And so tell me, what's a danger in danger of happening when you go back? After such a great experience with God, not with each other, it's not a Camp Eagle thing, it's not a Scott or Roger or Jerome thing, it's not even a Tallowood thing. It's supposed to be about Jesus, and we've experienced Jesus, and we're going to go back to a bunch of people who haven't had the same experience. What's in danger of happening? You're in danger of forgetting all about this. You're in danger of losing and letting slip the experiences that you've had with the Lord Jesus, because you're going to go back to your friends, and your friends are going to say, what'd you do last week? And I'm, you're going to say, it was an amazing week, or it was cool, I don't, know what I'm, I don't know how to describe it, let me tell you about it, and they're going to say, oh, that's great, now let's go do this thing. And you're going to be with people who weren't here. What is the answer to that? The answer is not to stay close to Camp Tallowood. The answer is not to wash this blue shirt every night so you can wear it the next day. The answer is not for you to carry around a water bottle so you feel like you're at Camp Tallowood, right? Um, it's not for you to sort of dust up your driveway and walk through it so you sort of feel like you're at Camp Eagle. Um, the answer is to stay close to Jesus because that's what this whole week is about. The answer is to fight to be intimate with Jesus because he is knocking on the door of your heart. And he wants to come in and he wants to hang out with you and eat with you and fellowship with you every moment of every day. That's not something you have to convince him to do. Oh, please, Jesus, would you come and be with me? He is begging to be with you. If you were to open his word, put on some worship music, to pray, to sing to him, to take a walk with him, to take a moment and to say, Jesus, I know my life is getting busy but I want to know, I want you to know you are still the most important and I want you to be the most important. Those kind of moments are when you open this door that he's knocking on. You say, come on in. Come inside. Make this your home, my life. 
my heart, right? And it ends, verse 21, he who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has a hear, has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Can we finish our time together in a, in a way? We're going to fast forward to chapter 22. I want to ask you guys all stand up. Can you stand up? You don't need anything. Just stand up in your spot. We're going to be in chapter 22 now. In chapter 22, verse 1. Um, on the screen, Gary, chapter 22, verse 1. And uh, last thing we do together. I'm not going to explain this because we talked about it last night. Well, we're going to read this out loud together. This is the end of the story. It doesn't get any better than this. We're just going to read a few verses. We're going to skip ahead and read verse 17, and then we're going to pray for you. And uh, our time together is done, all right? What have we been here to remember this week? Can you say that, those three words with me? Remember the future. One more time. Remember the future. This is the future. It's already been written. Jesus has already won the victory. And he's invited you to share in his victory. Can you read this with me out loud? Chapter 22. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will have no need of the light or the lamp nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. Verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We all thank you. Our hearts rise up in gratitude to you for being so good, for writing the end of the story, for already winning the victory, for telling us and encouraging us moment by moment, time and time again, that all you want from us is our best. And our best is to be with you, to be obedient, to follow you. Your grace is always enough for us. Your mercy and your patience is always bigger than the wounds of our heart and the scars of our experience. You want gorgeous things for us. And we are grateful people. We are your sons and daughters. We love you. We say we love you. We thank you. We want to continue to respond to you not only this day but every day. And we want to finish this time together in just one last expression of our worship of you. To say these words and to sing these words to you and say, Jesus, you are the focus. We are here to 
put ourselves under you. We have been here to talk about the revelation of the glorious Jesus Christ the creator of the universe, the redeemer of all things, our savior, the only God. We are here to lift up your name, to believe in you. God, thank you. Thank you for being so good. We love you. We love you. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name.